this is an interesting story. You know, the Trudeau government, of course, makes a lot of hay about standing up for human rights. They talk about it incessantly, and I think they do a relatively good job at it, right? I mean, it is part of their brand, if you'll forgive that term. Uh, but a new report from the newly launched Investigative Journalism Foundation here in Canada, a very good thing, by the way, turned up some surprising stats when it comes to the sale of weapons to authoritarian regimes by this country. Journalist Kate Schneider found that Canada is selling on average $1.3 billion in weapons to authoritarian regimes per year, and that would represent an eight-fold jump from what was going on under Stephen Harper's tenure as Premier, Prime Minister rather, when Canada exported an average of $161 million in weapons to authoritarian countries per year back then. Now, part of it was a big deal that the Harper government signed with Saudi Arabia to sell them uh, uh, light-armored vehicles. Uh, but it, it goes beyond that. Uh, sales to authoritarian countries also made up 66% of all non-US-bound exports on average per year between 2016 and 2021, and that's up from an average of 27% during Harper's tenure from 2006 to 2015. That's despite the fact that the Prime Minister has long said that it's extremely important uh, that the terms of Canada's expectations of non-violation of human rights are always respected when it comes to negotiating these arms deal and deals. And Kate Schneider, who wrote that article, a uh, journalist with the newly launched Investigative Journalism Foundation here in Canada, joins me now with the details. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure to be here. The Trudeau government talks a lot about human rights. We've known that for many, many years. Uh, one of the issues that's often come up, I know human rights organizations have been concerned, is weapon sales. Uh, you took a good look into this. What were you looking to find? What did you set out to find? Yeah, so um, you're, you're entirely right. The, the topic of weapon sales in Canada has been covered in the past. In, in the past couple of years, most of the focus has been on weapon sales to Saudi Arabia. And it's also something that I focus quite a lot about in this article, just because of the pure scale of the, the exports going to Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia. But what I was trying to look at with, with this article is um, kind of a, a broader approach. We've heard all of these things back in, you know, especially like 2018, about criticisms directed at the Trudeau government um, for those exports to Saudi. But was this, you know, trend also true for other authoritarian countries? And when I took a look at kind of all countries that Canada exports to, I guess my, my main kind of finding, which I, I was not expecting to find this, this is really, it was quite shocking to me that under uh, Justin Trudeau, weapon sales on average per year have been eight times more to authoritarian countries specifically than those under Stephen Harper's government. That is interesting because we do always talk about Saudi Arabia and that big deal um, for the uh, for the vehicles, for the armored vehicles. Uh, but how, how has that manifested itself? Has it happened uh, all at once or has this been sort of a drip drip of new deals? Uh, I know that you mentioned Algeria and the UAE. Uh, these are some of the countries that certainly would, would raise concern for human rights groups. Is that really um, where these weapons are going to countries such as Saudi Arabia, Algeria, UAE and so on? Yes, absolutely. Um, so on average per year under Trudeau's government, 66% of all non-US bound exports have gone to authoritarian countries. And out of all exports, so 56% has been Saudi Arabia specifically. Um, right. So again, it makes sense that uh, Saudi Arabia has been kind of the, the focus of all this uh, media coverage in the past because it is the largest authoritarian recipient by far. But yes, I mean, if you look at the export trends under Trudeau as well, you, you do see that there is still, you know, not to the same scale as to Saudi Arabia, but other countries like the UAE and Algeria, there have been fairly consistent exports over the past couple of years. Uh, and it's it's really not just, you know, there was one kind of outlier year where, you know, authoritarian 
countries such as the ones I've mentioned have had a huge spike in exports. It's really been fairly consistently much higher under Trudeau than under Harper or other, other previous governments. I, I, I know you approached the government to find out what they would say about this. Uh, what was their response? Uh, because they often talk about how they've put new controls in place to make sure we're not selling weapons to regimes that we shouldn't be. Uh, what did they have to say about your reporting? Yeah, so um, I reached out to someone at uh, Global Affairs Canada. They, you know, did point to some of the uh, advances that Canada has, you know, kind of on the surface made towards uh, enshrining protections for for human rights. So, for example, back in 2019, Canada finally signed on to this international agreement called the Arms Trade Treaty. And under that, any government that signs on to it is required to, uh, you know, they're committing to assessing whether human rights abuses there's the potential for those uh, before they sign off on the export permits to send over these uh, this military uh, weapons and equipment. However, uh, a lot of the other experts I talked to said that, you know, even though kind of they're giving the image or going through the motions of seeming to consider human rights more, a lot of uh, academic and nonprofit experts that I, I, I talked to seemed concerned that these were really just formalities. There isn't really an obligation to like the the obligation is really just to kind of consider the possibility, but there's no uh, you know definitive for sure uh, we have to ban all exports, um, and that is kind of what a lot of these um, academic experts, uh, activists, a lot of nonprofit organizations have been calling for. So in a nutshell, uh, since 2015, we've seen an increase in the percentage of weapons that we're selling to authoritarian regimes. Saudi Arabia being the big chunk of it, but not the only one. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that was kind of the. Like I said, there's been lots of media coverage in the past on Saudi Arabia, but I think what I really wanted to point to is, yes, absolutely, you know, we should focus on the, the exports going to Saudi Arabia, but it is it is one of many, for sure, one of many authoritarian countries that have received Canadian-made weapons. Uh, it, it does, though. I mean, if, if we've put new restrictions in place, or at least we've put new uh, safeguards in place, uh, what did the government have to say about why it is that we're selling when you approach them with this statistic? Uh, it's hard to refute, right? I mean, the, the proof is in the numbers. Yeah. So uh, one of the things is that back in uh, late 2018, amid all this criticism, the government actually did issue a ban on new export permits to Saudi Arabia. It's also important to note that this ban covered any new export permits, ones that were already signed that were still active, and they last for up to five years. Those were not covered under the ban. So, you know, there were still actually quite quite a large number of exports going to Saudi Arabia. Um, but then in early 2020, they, they lifted this ban after doing a, a government review of the, you know, the likelihood that human rights abuses were being committed. And basically, this government review concluded that there was no evidence that the specific Canadian-made weapons that were being exported to Saudi were being used to commit human rights abuses. So you'll speak to many uh, experts and they'll say, well, a lot of, you know, there isn't necessarily evidence that the specific ones that were part of the 15 billion deal that was signed over five years ago, that these are being used to commit human rights abuses in Yemen. But they argue that there should still be a ban because there is the potential for that use in the future. Their argument, um, at least some of the ones that I spoke to, was that, you know, it doesn't matter whether these specific Canadian-made weapons are being used specifically. In general, we are seeing that weapons exported from other countries to Saudi Arabia are being used for human rights abuses by Saudi forces in Yemen. Yeah, the government has kind of claimed, oh, in the past, there isn't too much evidence. But the, the activists um, that I've spoken to have mainly focused on that future potential for abuse. 
Kate, when you look at this, I mean, I guess the big argument here is that there's diplomacy involved. Um, our weapons deals with Saudi Arabia go back a long time. And there's jobs involved as well in, in this country. Uh, are those the roadblocks, as far as you can tell, in terms of not taking a tougher stance uh, on some of these issues? Yes, absolutely. I think jobs seem to be one of the top considerations for why the government might not want to cancel this contract with Saudi Arabia or just, you know, stop exports to authoritarian countries in general. For example, the the company that made the uh, armored light armored vehicles that are being exported to Saudi Arabia, I believe their operations account for about 11% of all the Canadian defense industries and they employ tens of thousands of people. So you know, this is a lot of jobs that we're that we're talking about um, that would be affected. So, you know, it's understandable that the the government is trying to, uh, you know, weigh human rights, upholding human rights, difficult geopolitical relationships, and then also trying to minimize the impact on the Canadian economy. Are they really taking the the right balance there? Um, that obviously is is up for dispute. Um, but so definitely, this definitely is a, a a complicated topic. There's a lot of factors that have to go into these decisions. Yeah, on the diplomatic side as well, I, I think you looked into that in the article as well, that uh, that there are some diplomatic concerns here. But one of the things I found interesting is there was, uh, you sort of demystified one thing, which was, it's often been said that, that um, you know, you know that that's canceling these, these contracts would be difficult, but you found that in fact, it wouldn't be if they wanted to, if the will was there, that, that they could stop these exports pretty quickly if need be. Yeah, uh, well, so there is one one aspect about the Saudi contract in particular um, that uh, Trudeau has pointed to as the kind of main reason um, why he he won't cancel the contract, and that is because um, he hasn't disclosed the exact price tag of, of of doing this, and partially because the the Saudi Arabia contract in particular has really strict confidentiality clauses in it. But supposedly, according to Trudeau, it would cost Canada over a billion dollars as a cancellation fee to stop this 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 uh, contract with Saudi Arabia you know many people might you know might say well it's a billion dollars but that's the that's the price of standing up for human rights that's specific to the Saudi the, the Saudi contract but obviously as I've talked about there's lots of other countries um, lots of other authoritarian countries with questionable human rights records that Canada still has contracts with um, that don't necessarily have these penalty fees. For example, Russia, Belarus, um, Canada has actually stopped military exports to certain countries because of concerns about what those weapons are being used for. It is kind of interesting to see which countries Canada has uh, stopped those exports towards and which ones they're continuing to uh, work out deals with. So to wrap it all up, I mean, I guess what you found was a lot more, a lot higher percentage of sales to authoritarian regimes than perhaps you expected to find. Um, and, you know, the Saudi one as well, the one it clearly accounts for a lot of it, right? Uh, but not the only one. And that is a bit of a surprise. Yes, absolutely. I think that's the the, the best summary of the what I kind of took as the, the main takeaway from my analysis. You know, Saudi consistently every year was... Um, I think was the largest recipient after the the United States for exports. But Algeria, for example, I think in just the past year, I think it was in the top 15 or top 10 of all countries that received uh, military exports. Yes, it is very much uh, a, a trend that we see with with multiple authoritarian countries, not just Saudi Arabia. And what would you like to see done with with the research that you did? Uh, what uh, what would you like to see uh, as a result of this? The, you, you know, you've raised an interesting fact. Um, what would you like to see done with it? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that um, it'll bring back the conversation about what that proper proper balance is between, you know, protecting Canadian jobs, standing up for human rights abroad. And I think there, there was a lot of media attention in 2018, but it's since kind of died off since then, even though the exports have continued. You know, Trudeau really has uh, adopted kind of a, a image of being really pro-human rights in his foreign relations. So I think you know, I'm just happy that there's a bit more discussion going on, looking at the actual reality of what's happening, um, going a little bit more below just the surface of, you know, what the what the government's rhetoric might be. Okay, Schneider, great work. Thank you so much for your time and explaining it tonight. Thank you so much.